John chapter 13, we're going to start reading in verse 1. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved His own which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Him. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. We see a picture of here of Jesus. And y'all, he was at this point carrying some heavy burdens emotionally, spiritually. He knew what was coming. He knew what He was about to go through. And a lot of times we can kind of identify with that. You know, Not that we know we're going to be uh, crucified and take on the sins of the world, but we have these heavy burdens that we're carrying. But I want you to see what Jesus does right here. He sets such a wonderful example for us, okay? Because see, in the midst of carrying these heavy burdens that He's carrying, He does something that many of us often don't do. He, he laid them aside for a brief time. And He became a servant to His friends, to His brothers, to His family. He, he just laid His own cares aside. He said, yeah, I've I got to do this. I know what's coming, but right now, I want to attend to their needs. I want to bless them. Y'all, this is the kind of love that, that I, I want to see in the body of Christ. Every now and then you get a little glimpse of it, but this is what being a Christian should be about. This is the kind of love that we need in such a desperate manner. So, you know, we, we come into church all the time and we're carrying these just burdens, right? The, the world just weighs us down. And I know each and every one of you sitting here today, probably immediately as soon as I say carrying burdens, you're taken back to that thing that, that is bothering you right now. All of us have them. They may be different for each one of us. But we carry a weight around. And sometimes it's multiple things. And you know, in Jesus' case here, it was a lot of things. He was, he was facing torture and crucifixion. He was facing being betrayed by one of His own. Y'all, you think that didn't hurt Him? Oh, He knew. He knew it was coming. And it hurt, man. It hurts when one of your friends, one of, one of the people that you've called a brother and a friend just betrays you and turns his back on you. Man, it hurts. And he already knew that was going to happen. He's carrying that with him. He knows what he's about to face. And in the midst of that, he's also facing the, the, the fact of his own mortality as a man, right? He prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there be any other way, take this cup from me. But nevertheless... 
let your will be done. So man, he had the right attitude, but y'all, that doesn't change the fact that it still weighed on him. Okay, so I want, I'm telling you these things today because I want you to understand the kind of thing he was going through. This is not a, a, a topic that he can just easily dismiss. These things bear down on him. And if you've ever been in a situation like that where those problems just seem to overwhelm you, they seem to overtake you, I, I know, I can, I can get just a little glimpse of what it was he was feeling. But in the midst of that, he said, I'm not the one that needs the attention right now. You know, he could have said, hey, brothers, I'm about to go through all these things. Y'all should be feeling sorry for me right now. Y'all ever do that? Maybe we don't say those words, but... You want people to understand how bad you're hurting so they can feel sorry for you. (laughs) Right? Yeah, but you don't know what I've been going through. (laughs) And I'm not saying you're not going through some tough things. But that's not what Jesus did here. You see, he, He had every right to just pour Himself out in front of His friends and and let them help console Him. But He didn't. Instead, He set all that aside for a little while. And said, I'll get to that later. Right now, I want to show them how much I love them. You know, they were going to get an example of His love later. But they wouldn't fully understand it right away. But he wanted to show them firsthand how much he loved them. You know, it'd be real easy for me today to pull out a wash tub, fill it with water, and say, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna wash everybody's feet today. It's not necessary. Jesus was trying to show them something. Do y'all understand what it meant to wash their feet? I mean, let's, let's really think about this for a minute. Because see, He was their Master. <laughs> he was the Lord. He was the one they called Rabbi. They didn't talk to Him just any old way. They had massive amounts of respect for this man. So I mean, they looked up to Him. And, and Peter argued with Him when He told Him He was going to wash His feet. He's like, no, you're not washing my feet. Uh-uh. And see, that wasn't from a point of pride. Peter thought he was doing the right thing, saying, I'm not going to let my Lord, my Master, wash my feet. I'll wash His. But Jesus said, no, you don't understand, Peter. See, this isn't a worldly thing. This is something different. And when He made it clear to him what was going on, Peter's whole tune changed, didn't it? He said, okay, well, just wash everything then. (laughs) If that's what it takes, I want to be with you, Lord. So wash my heads, wash my hand, everything. Jesus just wanted to show them in this really small, intimate setting how great His love for them was. So He humbled Himself as He did when He came to earth. Understand that? He condescended. 
He dropped below their level. You see, this was a position of a servant, okay? If, if a king had been out traveling, this was a custom, right, that they had. If a king had been out traveling, when he returned, it wasn't uh, a king that washed the servant's feet. It was the servant that washed the king's feet. If a husband had been out traveling, when he returned, his wife would wash his feet. You see, that's the way it always went. It never went the other way. It was the one of, of lower degree that served the one of higher degree. But Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to break all those rules real quick. I'm going to show you what it means to serve. You know how humbling it is to have someone of, of greater stature serve you? It will absolutely break your heart. I can imagine these men sitting there as he begins to wash their feet, and I can only imagine that they that they must have just started just weeping to know that the Son of God is washing my feet, my nasty, stinky feet. How many of them probably said, "Man, I wish I'd have washed my feet before I came in here," <laughs> right? But to have him get down on that level. And to say, I want to show you love. Y'all, this is a perfect picture of love, man. This is, this is what it means to be a child of God and to serve in His kingdom. This is what we ought to be demonstrating to all of our brothers and sisters around us. When we can come into the body and when we come in in fellowship, just for that little bit of time, lay aside all those weights and cares of the world. And just look for somebody that needs love. Selflessness. Unselfish faith. Wanting to serve. See, it's one thing to be served and to be in the kingdom. It's something totally different to serve in the kingdom. Because it takes... Giving of yourself. You have to give up a part of yourself. I want you to hear me today. Because see, a lot of us, our identity is based around the pride that we have. You hear me? So in order to bring yourself to the level Jesus did, guess what you got to do? you got to give up part of it. You can't humble yourself like that and still have that pride of being who you are. You say, well, I'm this and I'm that. I've achieved this status in my life. So what? None of that means anything anyway. Maybe you're sitting there and, and you're saying, well, is it really necessary for me to do that? Is it really? If you're asking that question, there's something wrong. You see, this is the problem. We, we begin to look for loopholes. We begin to look to some, so for some way to, to somehow justify where we currently stand. Y'all, I want you to understand that there's people around you right now in this very room that are hurting tremendously. That, that should do something in your heart. And man, if it don't touch you, that 
You need to be praying that God will take that heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. I'm telling you, church, listen to me. Because see, there is something wrong with the body of Christ when we don't cry out over another hurt member. I guarantee you as a person, if, if you stump your toe, the rest of your body reacts to it, doesn't it? Hannah was walking through the living room yesterday and she hit her toe on the ottoman. And man, she just crumbled and grabbed her toe and every bit of her body cried out and said, Ow! And you see, that, I know that's kind of a little silly example, but I want you to understand what that indicates to us. You see, the body of Christ is the same thing. And when one, one member of it is hurting, the rest of us ought to react to that. It ought to just scream out to you, Hey, there's pain there. Attend to it. Now what would we do if one of us had a finger cut off and, and we just, oh well, never did anything about it. There's something wrong with you if that was the case, right? You got nerve damage or something. There is something wrong with you if you don't go, ah! Right? There has to be a reaction there. And when another member, a brother, a sister in Christ is hurting, we, we, should, we should go... We ought to run to them and say, Brother, are you okay? Is there something I can do for you? You see, there, there should be a reaction toward the pain. It's easy for us to call ourselves a Christian. It's easy to call ourselves a child of God. But y'all, Jesus here gave us an example. And if we're going to be Christ-like, listen, you got to pick every single one. You can't pick and choose the ones you want. And what He's telling you right there is that I don't care if you are the pastor. I don't care if you are a teacher or a leader in some fashion. Guess what? You're the ultimate servant. You see, what we have here, this picture is the Son of God. Right? The supreme. And He lowers Himself. Meek and humble. And says, I will serve. Now if that doesn't tell you something about how you ought to feel, I don't know what else to say. Because if He can do it, and if He did do it, I should do the same. I'm not talking about washing people's feet right now, y'all. In case you hadn't picked up on that. We ain't got to wash people's feet to serve someone. We don't have to bring somebody food to serve someone. Sometimes it's just telling them, hey, I love you. Because you know, sometimes that's the hardest thing for us to do. Some of us don't love easily, do we? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's just not easy to love. It's just how we're made. Maybe it has something to do with our upbringing. Maybe it has something to do with how somebody hurt us in the past. I don't know, man. But sometimes we just don't love easy. We don't let people in. 
we keep this guard up. Y'all, you want to see vulnerability. You look at the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, kneeling before someone and washing their feet. That's vulnerability. He condescended to men of low degree. You hear me? You see, even the, even the Son of God, when He came to this earth, He didn't go around picking kings and princes. He went and picked, a lot of times, the rejects. The tax collector. The fishermen out there. They're just trying to get by in life, right? These men weren't rich. Look, they didn't have big fishing vessels. You know why they were fishing? So they could eat. He condescended to men of low degree. Why? Because the Word of God tells us that in our weakness, He is strong. He receives the glory when we humble ourselves and become weak and lowly. Y'all, there ain't nothing wrong with that. The world tells you something different. Don't listen to the world. It's that simple. Don't listen to what their idea of a man is. Because they're wrong. (laughs) I don't know anybody sitting here today that's willing to stand up and say, well, Jesus wasn't really a man's man. Really? I ain't going there. Well, I ain't going to get down and wash nobody's feet. All right, don't. Ain't nobody going to make you do it. I'm not here talking today about making anybody do anything. What I'm here today to talk to you about is what you ought to do. As a child of God, you ought to be looking around and seeing people that are hurting. You know what? Sometimes you don't have to know all the details either, people. Listen, because you see somebody hurting, don't go to them and want to hear all about it. Now listen, if they want to talk, let them talk. But it ain't none of your business. Right? But you know what is my business? I see somebody hurting. I'm going to let them know I love them and I'm praying for them. If they need me, I'm here. You see, that's my business. Being available. Making yourself known instead of hiding in the shadows. Hoping nobody notices. Do you notice that nowhere in this Scripture I read Jesus had to ask anybody's permission? He got up. There's so many little little aspects of this that you need to see. He went and filled the basin with water. He didn't ask somebody else to do it. You know, that's a servant's job to go fill the basin with water. He filled it with water. He took a towel and put it around him. And it says he began to wash the disciples' feet. He said, come here, Peter, let me wash your feet. He didn't say, hey, we're about to wash everybody's feet. Is everybody okay with that? He didn't make a big deal out of it. You hear me? You hear me, church? He didn't make a big deal out of it. But I guarantee it didn't take him long to figure out what he was doing. 
You see, when we go to somebody that we see is hurting, we don't need to make a big deal out of it. We don't need to walk up to them and say, "Um, is it okay if I pray for you? Just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you, brother. Depending on the situation, you might need to pray right then. But you let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. I want you to understand, nobody needs permission to love somebody. You hear me? You see, this is what just ought to be happening. And it may be awkward at first, but I want you to understand that that awkwardness comes from worldliness being in the way. As we begin to get that stuff out, it starts to become commonplace and natural that we show love to one another. How many of y'all think about your brothers and sisters throughout the week? Man, we need to be, don't we? How many of y'all know a brother and sister in Christ, maybe they don't even go to this church, but you know they're hurting. Have you lifted them up in prayer this past week? I know some of you have. I'm not not trying to make accusations today. I'm just trying to put it out there. Something for you to think on. Now, that person that you've been praying for, maybe you have been, man, maybe you have been pouring your heart out before God praying for that person. How many times have you told them? How many times have you went to them and said, listen, man, I don't know. I don't know if you have any problems. I don't know if there's anything going on in your life, but I want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you, brother. If you need something, you let me know. Man, you know how good that is to hear. When I have people tell me, hey, we've been praying for you. Oh, man, do you know what that does? To know that I have unsolicited, unsolicited prayers coming my way. I didn't ask for it. I didn't, I didn't go to somebody and say, hey, would you be praying with me? This is just somebody that said, let's pray. Let's pray for our brother." Man, that encourages me because, and you know what it does? It reminds me later on through the week, they're praying for me. It strengthens me. It lifts me up. It encourages me. And through my tough times, whether I'm on the mountaintop or in the valley, I remember I have people praying and lifting me up. There ain't nobody here. I don't care what you say. There ain't nobody here that don't enjoy to know that somebody loves them enough to pray for them. You know, as Jesus was going through these things, the devil was attacking him. What would the devil be saying to you if you put yourself in Jesus' shoes, and you're about to get down and wash some, some old nasty feet. Listen, they didn't, they didn't have socks and shoes in those days. If they had shoes, it was just some old, old sandals. Dirt and grime and everything's all up between their toes and on their toenails and up their ankles and their calves, you know? Y'all ever seen pictures of Jerusalem? Kind of looks like desert, don't it? 
Yeah, it's dry and dusty, man. What was going through these people's minds? What was the devil saying to Jesus? You think he wasn't on the attack? Was Jesus above that? No. Uh-uh. That devil was working on him, man. Just like he would be meeting you saying, What are you doing? This ain't going to do nothing. Yet here we are 2,000 years later still talking about it. You don't want to touch that old nasty foot. Look at it. So, once again, how is he going to say or talk to you? It's going to be the same thing. Oh, don't go talk to that person. They don't really need anything. They're fine. It's their fault they're in that position. Do you know what? When you're at the bottom of a pit and you need out, it really don't matter how you got there. Y'all hear me? It don't matter how you got there. The bottom line is, you need out of the pit. (laughs) Simple as that. You don't care. It don't matter if this is the third time you've been in the pit. It still sucks being in the pit. You hear me, people? It's not fun being at the bottom of a pit. You need somebody to take time to come and pull you out. And they don't, you don't want to hear when you're being pulled out of the pit. Really? Again? I ain't always going to be here to pull you out of this pit. You don't need to hear that, do you? Now, I'm not against instruction. Sometimes, in brotherly love, people need to understand what it was that caused them to get in the pit. But don't leave out that part in brotherly love. It's okay to give instruction to somebody to to hopefully prevent them from getting in the pit later. But listen, how are you looking at it? Are you looking at it because it's a great inconvenience for you to go pull somebody out? Are you looking at it out of love and concern for that person because you don't want them to be in the pit? You see, the the, the way we view things, the, the perspective that we have, the position I'm standing on when I'm judging a situation has a drastic difference in my my uh, solution to the problem. If I'm looking at it from a position of love, I don't talk the same way. I don't react the same way. Love should abound. What does that mean? Do we have any shortage of pine straw around here? Do you know there's parts of the country that people gather that stuff up and sell it? What would you do with the bale of pine straw? I'd burn it. I don't want that stuff around. It means, abound means that there is an abundance of it, more than you need. So, our love should abound. There should be more than enough love to go around to the extent where you say, look guys, I appreciate it. I really don't need any more love right now. (laughs) Right? There should just be so much 
that you, you don't even have to wonder about where it's going to come from. How many of y'all have ever had a family member die and people bring food to your house? At some point, you're like, would y'all please stop bringing food? There's more food here than, than ten armies could eat. You're not, you're not ungrateful that they brought the food, are you? But you're just saying, man, there's more than I can bear. It's just, I don't, I don't know what to do with all this. That's love, man. That's how our love should be. There should be just an abundance of love toward one another. But instead, what we see today in in the body of Christ is a severe drought and lack of love. These things ought not to be that way. The Word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about love. Many people refer to that as the love chapter. In the King James Version, it's called charity. You look in other translations and it's called love there. It's the same thing. But the end of that chapter tells me something that it really, it really points out how heavy the topic of love is to God. How important it is to Him. He said, when all these other things pass away, love still remains. These things are important, but none of them are more important than love. Y'all, if it's that important to God, it ought to be that important to us. So much so that we ought to lay aside everything else until we can figure out how to love somebody. You say, well, it's just not easy for me. I just don't know how to I don't know how to relate to people. People ain't asking you to relate to them. People need love. I don't have to understand your situation to show you love. I don't have to know what it means to be who you are to understand love, to show you love. Love. Man, I ask my kids this stuff all, all the time. They always forget, but I know they know. I'll ask one of them, what is love? Tell me one thing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Man, those two easy ones right there. Right? Look in 1 Corinthians 13 and find out what it means to love somebody. Guys, I've said it many times before. It has nothing to do with how you feel about somebody. You do not have to like the person to love them. You don't have to like anything about them. They may be the most annoying, most irritating person you've ever come across, but you can still show them the love of Jesus Christ. You know what? Me showing love to somebody has a whole lot more to do with me than it does them. I'm the one that has to change, not them. You say, well, I could love them if they was more lovable. Anybody ever said that? Maybe you didn't say it. Maybe you just thought it. If they was, that's the most unlovable person I've ever... It don't have anything to do with them. Once again, Jesus didn't ask their permission... To love them? He just started doing it. Do you know what? When you begin to show love to people, 
their, their attitude will shift. They will begin to change. It may be slow. It may be unnoticeable at first, y'all, but it happens. It will begin to happen. Love can soften that heart of stone. You want to see a person saved? You got somebody on your heart right now that you want to see saved? Begin to show them the love of Jesus and see what happens. They begin to respond differently when you show them love. You want to know what love is? Look in 1 Corinthians 13. Never says it's that warm, fuzzy feeling you get inside. Doesn't say anything about that. It's an action. Jesus showed us an action here. This is one example. But the principle is universal. Universal. 